The Permian Basin is an abundant oil and gas producing area. Already one of the world's leading oil producing regions, the area in West Texas and Southeastern New Mexico could nearly double crude oil production by the year 2023. But who are the leaders behind this economic powerhouse? And what is their story? This is Permian Perspective. I'm your host, Krista Escamilla. Sponsored by Baker Hughes, a GE company inventing smarter ways to bring energy to the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. It is such a pleasure to be spending time with you today on Permian Perspective. I really appreciate you choosing us. I know you have a choice and we're glad you're here. So today I'm in Midland, Texas with Jim Blakemore. He is the co-founder of J-Cubed Housing. Thanks so much for being with us, Jim. You're welcome. Before we get started, I want to ask everyone to help out our show by taking a few minutes to leave a review in iTunes, especially those five-star reviews. We really like those. Yes, those are nice. Yes. And we're so thankful for Apple for choosing Permian Perspective to be on their new and noteworthy list. And we just love hearing back from you. So if there's a guest you want to hear from, if there's an interview you really love that really impacted your life, let us know on iTunes. We uh, will definitely share your kind words in a future broadcast. So thank you. Jim, thanks again for sitting down with us today. A hometown boy here from Midland, Texas. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how you got in the oil and gas industry and of course, how you got to West Texas. Well, I grew up here in Midland, born in Fort Worth, moved to Midland when I was a baby. And my family's been in the oil and gas business and ranching business for four generations. So, I mean, it's a, it's a family business. Grew up here, watched, watched the boom in the bus cycle. My great-granddad came to Texas from Mississippi as a teenager. Went to work sweeping the floors in a sawmill in East Texas. Fell in love with the sawmill owner's daughter. I won't bore you with all the details, but wound up. <laughs> but that up. sounds like a good story. <laughs> oh, it's a great story. It's a great story. He, it's, it's a real rags to riches story because he, he wound up buying the sawmill from the sawmill owner got in the lumber business, and he bought lumber, bought timberland in East Texas and harvested the timber, sold the surface, kept the minerals, got in the oil business. He built one of the largest lumber companies in Texas. In fact, built the largest lumber company in Texas, parlayed that into an oil and gas empire, real estate empire, did very, very well for himself, bought ranches all across West Texas. Some of those are still in the family today. I came along. My dad was a captain in the air in the army air corps mm-hmm. he was a bombardier in b-25s and b-17s in world war ii in europe he was transferred to midland to go to he was a nav i'm sorry let me back up he was a navigator in b-17s and b-25s he can't he transferred to midland to go to bombardier school mm-hmm. because if he would have gone to to the pacific theater mm-hmm. and to be in b-29s you had to have two you have to be cross-trained in two, two specialties. Mm-hmm. So he was going to be a navigator and then cross-trained in to be a bombardier. The war was over, and he, as he retired from the Army Air Corps here in Midland, back in, back in the 40s and 50s, the population of Midland t- welcomed and just with open arms the, uh, the military people, the, the people that were stationed out here at uh, what was then Sloan Field. Mm-hmm. And they just welcomed them into their homes. And many, many, many of the people that were stationed out here stayed in Midland. My dad was one of them. He got in the oil business, did some dry land farming, all sorts of stuff out here in West Texas. Stayed in Midland basically because of the people. That right. was it. And why not? I mean, it's it's the same way it is today. Absolutely. People- and that's I've never heard that story before. And and I, I think what's so incredible about it is that 
what you said that they welcomed the servicemen in with open arms because that just says West Texas people yeah. like yeah. No, like nothing else. Yeah, and thank you. You know, I, I, I via via you, I thank him for his service because that's incredible. Yes. So anyway, he retired. He he went to one of the parties that these you know that the the population here that the Midland citizens invited him to a party. He met my mom. She was she was in visiting her sister who lived here. My mom lived in Houston at the time, mm-hmm. and they well, got married. And guess what? And here I am. <laughs> fell in love, and here we are. And that's it. And, and, and they have quite a legacy themselves with the Blakemore Museum, the planetarium yeah. that is named after your parents. Which a lot of people that have come to West Texas, I never knew who it was named after, and now I'm getting to meet you, and it's named after your parents. That's incredible. My dad was the first chairman of the board of the museum. My mom and dad were very, very philanthropic, very, very civic minded people. My dad was on, was the president of the chamber of commerce at one time and that kind of stuff. I mean, just, I grew up being a part of the community here. And I think part of the, part of the legacy, part of the, part of my uh, upbringing involved entrepreneurism. And I've been an entrepreneur all my life. And, you know, my family was an entrepreneurial family and, mm-hmm. and to this day still is. Fantastic. So let, let's talk about what was the first thing you dipped your toes into in the oil and gas industry? Well, being from an oil and gas family, I mean, I, I, would, I, I remember going to work with my dad as a kid. I mean, as a, as a young kid, you know. Yeah. Just started first grade, second grade. We, you know, I'd go to the office with him, and I didn't know what was going on. I didn't have any idea what he was doing, but I knew right. he was my dad. He was at work, and I wanted to go help him work. Oh, and that awesome. was just fun. And that was the that was it. I went to, went to grade school here. I went off to prep school when I went to high school, and and then I went. To, I was in San Antonio, and I stayed in San Antonio. I went to Trinity University. And got my degree, interestingly enough, in television and film production and broadcast journalism. That's for, right. We have a lot in common there. <laughs> and so I'm a photographer. I do. I've, I've, I've got. I do all sorts of stuff. I got a lot of irons in the fire. I've been one of these guys who just. I have a hard time saying no to different things. But when you're an entrepreneur, that's that's what you do, right? That you you just you go. That's you, exactly you go, right. Go go go. And the company that you have right now is. So incredible to hear about, and I and I cannot wait to dive into what you do because it is needed here in West Texas right now, and it is containers that are homes. Mm-hmm. So you are the owner, you and and you have a couple partners, J Cubed Housing. Explain everyone what it is and what you do. Okay, well, let me. I'll back up just a little bit. Sure. My partners are Jim Spar and Jimmy Young. Jimmy's a police officer here, and Jim Spar's Jimmy's Jim Spar's up in the construction business, and mm-hmm. you know I've been entrepreneurial, and then Jimmy Young's a police officer, and we're trying to figure out how to solve or how to at least how to contribute to the solution for housing problems. Right. Well, I'm a developer. One of my many hats is a real estate developer, and I started. I put together a project in a neighboring town, and it got everything done, got it shovel ready, and I turned it over to my money people to to raise the funding to build it. It was a pretty sizable project, so we were looking for investors. And while while that was going on, I started looking for other places to replicate it. And so I went to a couple of other towns, and one specific, which will remain nameless, told me, no, we don't want anything. We don't want you. We don't want any building. We don't want any apartments. We don't want any new houses. We don't want any development. We don't want you around here. Mm-hmm. Go away. Mm-hmm. And I said, but, but wait a minute. You've got people living in pop-up trailers on the side of the road. Every vacant lot has got an RV in it. Mm-hmm. Don't you want housing for these people? And the guy that I was talking to, the city official that I was talking to said, yeah, we appreciate that. 
And yes, we understand the problem. And, and asked me, do you remember what it was like in 1985? And I said, sure. You were here. I was yes. here. It was crazy. <laughs> if not, it was equally as, as much of a boom as it is now. Mm-hmm. And this was, this was back in the, uh, about uh, 2008, 2009, 2007, okay. somewhere in that area. Mm-hmm. And, they, and I said, and then, they, then the guy asked me, do you remember what it was like in 1987? And I said, I do. <laughs> the price of oil had dropped. Mm-hmm. That was when the real estate market cratered. That's when the savings and loan market cratered. Everything. I mean, it was a disaster. Right. And he said, exactly. We had, in 1984 and 85, we had developers come in. They built brand new apartment complexes, you know, new houses, everything. Right. And they were all full. And in 1987, they were all empty, mm. going back to the banks, and nobody was taking care of them. It was it was a disaster here, mm-hmm. so we don't want. We know we know what happens in the price in the oil cycle. It goes up and it goes down, and we know yes, it's a boom right now, but in two, three, four, whatever years, it won't be, mm-hmm. and everybody's going to be gone, and we don't want to re- repeat that situation. So I got to thinking, what if I built an apartment complex that when the demand was gone, all I had to do was unbolt it put it on trucks, and haul it away. And so my immediate Genius. concept was go straight, <laughs> go to shipping containers. Right. Shipping containers are, they're structurally strong. They're meant to be hauled around. Mm-hmm. So what if I just take a, take a bunch of shipping containers and build, a, build an apartment complex out of them? Mm-hmm. So not taking the simple route, which I'm n- notoriously famous for not taking the simple <laughs> way. I went and got a structural engineer and a mechanical engineer. And we designed these shipping containers with modular connectors so that you could just take a, a you know, quick connect, quick disconnects and connects for the hosing and the, the water and the power and all that and slide together, slide lock together connections so that you could, you know, and you can have, you know, you have a bedroom module or two or different types, two different models of bedroom module and you have a living room module and you have this kind of module, that kind of module and you can, and just basic, and what I'd have is a great big Lego set. Right. <laughs> and just plug it together and plug it play and put it together. Well, the idea was really, really cool mm-hmm. and really made a lot of sense. And everybody loved it, except for the fact that it was really expensive oh. to, build them, to build them that way. That whole money thing got, yeah, got, got, right got in, in the, the way. Right in the way. <laughs> and then, you know, then the market, the price of oil went down and the need for that, that type of housing kind of went away. So what I, went, what I did was I went and hooked up with a guy up in Indiana. And we started working with Indian tribes. Okay. And I don't, most people don't, most people realize the Indian tribes have terrible housing problems. Okay. They're very poor, lots of issues. I won't go into all the issues there. Mm-hmm. But we had an, one of the Indian tribes in the Southwest wanted a, needed, was looking for a housing solution. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we put together a project with them. It was, it was a full business. They had a building. We were going to be. We they were going to provide us with a, a large manufacturing facility or or a large building to put a manufacturing facility in. Mm-hmm. We were going to train the Indians to build our our modules, build our homes. We had the designs built, everything, and we worked and we worked and we worked. Up, we, we Carrie and I worked with them for oh, including the time he spent working with them before I came into the picture. Five years. Oh wow! It was always. Well, we've got a new tribal council, so the new tribal council has to get their feet on the ground and get set up and everything. Then we'll get back to you. 
And it just, it went on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And we just, they, they could never make a decision. Right. And we had everything set up. It was all funded. And, but we never could get contracts, et cetera, out of this Indian tribe. So we went on, they, we even built them a model. We even built a model home. If you want to go to innovativehabitats.com, you can see the pictures of the model home that we built. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a three-bedroom, two-bath, 1,440-square-foot home made out of shipping containers. Wow. But they never would. They, and they said, if you, know, you show us you can do it, and we'll, 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 we'll buy it. We'll buy it, and we'll do the contract. Well, never happened. So, but you learned from that experience. Oh, yes. Well, I, and this. I, I learned. I went to another <laughs> Indian tribe. Uh-huh. Same thing. I found out, I learned about the Indians, I'll tell you that for sure. <laughs> we never were able to put another, a deal together. This is a tribe in South Dakota. They, same thing. We put together the manufacturing facility, put together the training protocols, put together everything, like that, but they never would sign a contract to buy any houses. Mm-hmm. And so they said, we'll buy 30. Well, 30, doesn't just, 30 houses doesn't justify building a half million dollar manufacturing facility. So right. it never went on. So I'm kind of sitting there figuring out what to do next. Mm-hmm. And I'm here in town talking to Jim Spar. And Jim was saying, hey, you're doing, you're doing stuff with shipping containers, aren't you? And I said, yeah. So, I well, I have an idea. So we talked about it. And a year ago, we decided to start building workforce housing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Which we, we desperately need here in West Texas. You need workforce housing, affordable housing. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I actually just finished a meeting this morning with a group that's looking for, we're talking about putting together a project to put a, a sober living facility. Wow. We people coming out of rehab need some place to live then without being thrown out into the into the world and we're working on a project with them to house basically trans, transitioning housing back into the into the real world mm-hmm. the, the school district needs housing for teachers you know one of the projects we're trying we, we never we, we tried to put together but never did was a was housing for rookie police officers and cadet firefighters mm-hmm. because the problems with the, the problems they have is they come here, they go to, they go to school. They go to either police academy or fire academy. Mm-hmm. They don't have a place to live. They have to typically have to sign a, a lease at an apartment complex for a year. Mm-hmm. Well, their their training is not a year, oh. and if they go through the training and they don't get hired here, they've got an apartment complex they got to break the lease on, gotcha. and and it puts them in a bad situation. Right. So we were trying to put together some some housing for them. We had a project. We put actually put together a proposal for the police department, but they went a different way. And mm-hmm. that's just the way it goes. Right. And what's so interesting about these, I was on your website. It is so cool. I mean, it is literally like a house inside the container. And for those of you who don't live here, you know the West Texas winds and the dust. And, and these are windproof. They, they keep the bugs out. They are comfortable. You got everything you need in them. You've got your bathroom, your bedroom. But not only that, you design your own. Yes. I love that. Yeah. That's a great concept. It's basically what we're, we are building an efficiency apartment. It's a small one bedroom or two bedroom efficiency apartment. It's got a, got a full size bathroom. Mm-hmm. The market, I mean, our target is to these people that are maybe living in RVs or camper trailers. Mm-hmm. You, you have a, you have 320 or 350 square feet of living space. Mm-hmm. And this living space has got a full size bathroom. Right. We got a real shower, so you're not cr- cramped into a little RV shower. Right. We have a kitchenette. We don't have a full. You know, we don't have a full kitchen, but we have a kitchenette. We have a microwave, cooktop, full size refrigerator, so they have enough. You know, have have place to put some food. Right. Most of these people that are looking for a 
uh, most of the workforce housing, these guys are in and out. I mean, right. they, they're, they're 12 hours on or 14 hours on. Mm-hmm. All they want is a place to come, nuke some microwave, a, a meal, and, right. and go to bed. Right. And just back up and do it over again. So they're sturdy. These things are designed to be knocked around in the oil field. You can drag them through the, drag them over lease roads, drop them off of a back of a trailer, whatever it takes. We design these things to be easily transportable. The ones we're building, the ones that we have, don't require any special transportation requirements. No permits, no oversized permits, nothing like that. Where do you put them? You put them wherever you want them. Wherever you want. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. just need some land. Yep. Maybe you rent that land from someone, or if you're a big company, you have the land, then you can put them on there? Yep. Okay. And there's no, no we'll, special we'll, permits needed? No. Interesting. No. We have models here in town. We have a couple models. People want to see what we got, call J-Cubed. You've got the, my card yeah, over gonna, there somewhere, but gonna, anyway. We're going to give all the, <laughs> all the social media ways to find you at the end. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> but call us. We'll take you. We'll show them. We have a camp. We just opened a 24-person camp south in South Midland, south, two miles south of the interstate. I'm actually in the process right now. To By the end of the week, I will have locked up land in the Delaware Basin. Mm-hmm. I'll have five acres in the Delaware Basin. We're going to put somewhere between 80 and 100 units not too far from Mentone. Incredible. So people that are looking for housing in the in the in the Delaware, we'll be we're very price competitive. And, I was just going to ask you. You took yeah. the words out <laughs> out of my head. I was going to ask what is the what is the cost for something like this, and why should someone choose this over a travel trailer? Okay, the advantages to a travel trailer are that you can hook it up to your to, you know you can hook it up to your trailer hitch and haul it away, right. and take it wherever you want to go. But if you're going to haul it, if you're going to haul it around in the uh, Delaware Basin over lease roads, it ain't going to last very long. Mm. Pardon my French, but it's just, you know, you know what the, what, what the West Texas roads do to yes. travel trailers, that sort of thing. Yes. Our units are designed for the oil field. They are, the, the walls are plywood, mm-hmm. so there's, you don't have to worry about sheetrock cracking if you haul them out, into, out to a location, that sort of thing. Right. They're, everything is built, it's built to oil field spec. I mean, it's designed to be hauled around, and it's designed to be used by oil field personnel. Now, we have other models. We have mm-hmm. upgrades. We can make you a really, really nice one. We can put two containers together. So instead of 320 square feet, you have 640, or we can even go 960. Right. So we can design and build, custom build for people. The idea is that this is the, is the flexibility. Mm-hmm. The major flexibility comes from using one container, a 140-foot or 145-foot container that we can, you know, we can have, you can, you can have it ha- delivered wherever. Mm-hmm. What we're going to have out in the, in the Delaware, it's going to be, we're going to have annual, semi-annual, monthly lease rates. We'll have nightly lease rates. It's going to be, they're going to be very nice. They're so even going to be will, nice. Those you will rent, but you do you also purchase the containers too? Is that an option as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. So there's two different aspects there's, to there's it. Three, there's three oh. directions you can go. You can, you can buy directly from us mm-hmm. and the base model, one bedroom, 40 foot containers for $35,000 ready to go. And we'll deliver it anywhere in the uh, Permian, in the Midland or County areas. Which is cheap if you think about oh. it. I mean, compared to what you're going to pay to buy a house in in the Permian or, right or now, or a trailer. I mean, right, even if you want to buy, a, you know, what we're what we are building for you is comparable to a seventy thousand dollar travel trailer. Wow! And uh, so we've got, uh, you know, it and it's much sturdier. 
it's the the units weigh about twelve thousand pounds a piece, mm-hmm. so you don't have to worry about them blowing away <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or anything like that. Right? They're steel, mm-hmm. uh, rodent proof. You know, you're not gonna have cockroaches unless you let the cockroach in yourself. Right? <laughs> uh, it's they're, they're not gonna. There's no way to drill. You know, they're not gonna dig through the holes. One of the you know the the most popular model has sliding glass doors in one end and sliding glass doors in the middle, so a little patio area, that sort of thing. It's just, you know, it's, it's not a fancy place to live, but it's very functional mm-hmm. and very, very comfortable. And, and it's an answer to one of the biggest problems that we're facing in the Permian yes. right now. Because mm-hmm. as you know, we hear some of the major corporations are involved with the uh, Permian Strategic Planning or Priority Midland. And that's on the ho- that's on the hot topic list mm-hmm. right there is housing. So you really are addressing that problem that we are faced with. But not only for the oil field. It's also, as you mentioned, teachers and for law enforcement as well. Yes, yes. And I've been kind of, both Jim, Jimmy, or Jim, Jimmy, and I have all talked to. City that's a lot County. of Jims and yeah. Jimmies and James. Well, J Cube. <laughs> J Cube. There you <laughs> go. See, and that's why you that you that's named you it. You got that. it. That's great. But you know, we are in talks constantly with city council, city government, private industry, school district. Where we want to, we want to make a difference. We don't want to just take our workforce housing. And make a lot of money in workforce housing because there's there, there's definitely the profit potential there, but we all three come from the give back mm-hmm. mentality, mm-hmm. and just like I was telling you before, we're, I was talking to this group of people that want to put together a sober living facility. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got a sober living facility. People coming out of rehab aren't going to be able to pay, you know, fifteen, seventeen hundred dollars a month for a place to live. Right. So what we're trying to do is figure out an entity. And find the people that are interested in that type of that type of help, helping mm-hmm. the people that are interested in putting together a facility that can help these people that are coming out of rehabs and they're you know they're trying to they're trying to do their recovery. But you know, there's no way to you know we can't make the kind of money we can in the oil field. But we want to. But but it's important to me. It's important to Jim and Jimmy to be able to provide that that level of help in the community. And, you know, we're working on some projects and plans for a way to, you know, teachers can have uh, entry-level housing here. Same thing. I mean, police officers, all that. It's badly needed, and it's it's a complicated issue. It's, it's a right. surprisingly complicated issue. You wouldn't think it would be, but it is. It is. It is. It is. There's a lot of factors involved to be able to do something. You'd think it'd be real simple. Let's put some containers together. Let's find a piece of land in in town that's empty and do the project for as low a price as possible so that, that we don't have to, you know, we don't have to charge out the wazoo for people to be able to live in something like that. But it's not, it's not easy. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to point fingers. And I think everybody who knows anything about the, the subject matter knows where the fingers need to be pointed. But I'm not going to point the fixture, fingers at this show and on, the, on you. your show. <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going to be a lightning rod for you. Thank you. What's the number one question that people have about a container? Because I know we have a lot of you know we have a lot of business owners that are listening and 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 companies, and this may be something that could address the problem that they're facing. What's the number one question they? Ask? Okay, the number one question I get, and you're going to think this is funny. <laughs> And if you think about it, I mean, I don't know why, but don't they get hot inside? Mm-hmm. People at yeah. right, they ask you that. Yeah, well, of course, it's a steel box, right? But we also put two to three inches of insulation 
inside the box in the wall. So okay. you're going to have a, we we fully insulate them. So there's the, so we actually our units are we have a 40 foot unit, 40 foot by by 8 foot wide unit that is cooled by a window unit. Okay, I was that was going to be my question. Is there air conditioning in it? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, so there is air. There is heating. There's there is air. Heat. It's just like a, it, it's like a camper trailer. It's right. a, except we're a little more efficient. We're a little better insulated than camper trailers are. Right. That sort of thing. So, but that's yeah. yeah that's usually the, that's the number one you, question. <laughs> how, how do you keep them? How, how do you keep them from getting hot inside? Okay, that's that. That's that. Yeah, probably the next question, number one question is, you know, how much do they cost? Everybody wants to know what the cost is. Do you want, you know, can I buy them? Can I, can I lease them? Right. That sort of thing. So and both and, options we answered earlier. Yeah, yes, both you options can. are available. We, we, you can either buy them from us or lease them from us, or we will, you know, we're in, we're in the business of putting together facilities. We're, we, you know, we call our, we, we, we call them workforce housing communities because God bless Target Logistics, but the man camps have a bad reputation. I have, uh, I don't know, they're probably not as bad as they used to be, but we don't want to, we're not building a man camp. We're put, we're, we've got some, we've got some significant differences in what we do. Mm-hmm. That's a little different from the target or the, uh, I shouldn't say their name, pardon me, <laughs> that company or those companies. Uh, but you're creating another option. Yes. Ours is a separate it. option. We do a different, do, we, we offer a little different environment mm-hmm. than, than a lot of the other workforce housing companies do. You've been in West Texas your whole life. We mentioned that. Tell me, how have you, you know, managed the highs and lows of this industry? Panic through the <laughs> <laughs> crushing panic. <laughs> now there's a truthful answer. <laughs> when the price of natural gas goes from fourteen dollars an MCF to four an MCF in about six months, then you go, "Whoa, what a ride!" To be truthful. I diversified. Well, part of the reason I'm in this business is to diversify from the directly from the oil and gas business. I wanted to get into something. I have rental properties in other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. I have other businesses that are not directly tied to the oil and gas business, and but that's that's it. I mean, I have ridden the I have ridden that roller coaster. I mean, I've, I've been from watched my income go to you know fifteen twenty percent of what it was in less than you know in a matter of months. Right. So. After you do it a couple of times, you know what to do. You just right. know how to, you know, where you can put your, where you're, you know, where to put things to protect yourself. You know, you always have a cash cushion. You try to find things that are uh, replicable in other areas. I mean, I really was, when I got into, got into the comp- container business, when I started working with shipping containers, I was actually looking for projects in other areas, outside of the Permian Basin, outside of the oil and gas business, because, you know, Kristen, you know, you you know as well as I do, if you're in business in anything in Midland or Odessa, you're in the oil business. That's you're, right. You're not. I mean, you could you, you may have a restaurant, but you're in the oil business, right? Or you may have, you know, you may be selling clothing, you may be selling work clothes, but you're still in the oil business, no matter what it is. You are wholly. I mean, this seventy percent of the economy in Midland Odessa area is related to directly related to or very closely associated with the oil and gas business so you can't do anything here 
and not be in the oil business. So diversify after the panic. <laughs> <laughs> do, do what you really want to do is diversify before the panic. Before the panic. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any business tools that have helped you through the years to get to this mindset? Because <laughs> you've, you, like I said, you've, you've been very successful. You've built some businesses and, and seen it all here. What has helped you the most? I look for good people. It's all about the people. Everything I've done, everything I've done that has worked has been directly related to the people I've been associated with and everything that I have, wor- have done that has crashed and burned has been directly related to the people involved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess you have to, you, you have to say, look who, you know, who's, who's at the scene of the crime every time. And that would be me. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I've, I've gotten pretty good at, at pulling people, pulling the right people together and building good teams and that sort of thing. It's uh, everything I do is a team effort. So I try to, I try to build a good team. I try to make sure everybody on the team knows, you know, who they are, what they're doing, all their, all the particulars and they're, and they're having as much fun as I am. Right. I guess another thing is fun. You I cannot, fun. if I'm not having fun, I'm not doing it. Right. So. Awesome. What about the Permian? What is it that you love about it? And how would you encourage others to come here? Oh, man. Permian. Well, Midland's home. I mean, I've lived here all my life. I've lived in San Antonio when I was getting my education. I actually, one of my other endeavors, I ran a mining company in Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City is a beautiful place. Don't get me wrong. And it's really, it was really fun. I love to ski, that sort of thing. And I enjoyed it. They have these things called mountains. Mountains, yeah. And <laughs> and, and this white stuff called snow. Snow? <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, I guess, Midland's home. And it, it always has been. I can come to Midland, and no matter what I'm doing or where I am in Midland, I can always go somewhere else. I can always go to fun. Right. And the environment here is unlike any place else it's changed the oil and oil and gas the oil business has changed over the past 15 20 years how so what do you, what have you seen you know when i've been when i was in the 80s 80s and 90s i could put i could take and invest in you know in a project for for less than $100,000 i could buy 10% of a project mm-hmm. right 10% of a deal and turn that into significant money a lot of money yeah and now, hundred thousand dollars won't get you, won't even get you a look. I mean, it's probably one of the reasons why I'm diversifying into other areas, into the housing area. I'll touch on that here in a second. But I used to could, I, you know, I could used to invest. Yeah, I, I used to could. That's got to be a Texas. <laughs> I used to be able to invest in in projects with friends of mine in the oil business. I would either be an investor. You know, my, fi- my family's been in the, in the exploration and production business. We own royalty in, in a lot of places. We own surface in a lot of places. And we had our own E&P company, an operating company, and we operated in West Texas and southeastern New Mexico. We got out of the operating business in the 80s when the crash happened in the 80s. But it's just... You know, for for a guy getting just coming in here that doesn't have a whole lot of money, it's really hard to get into the operations, into the into the deal, into the deals. Compared I mean, to like say fifteen years. Yeah, ago. I mean, it's you know, if you want to, if you want you know, one point in some of these deals, it's going to cost you a million dollars. Right. And it's just you know, that's pretty. You know, it's just tough to do. It's just really, really tough to do. You know the way I look at this, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about about the analogy to what's going on out here right now and the gold rush, the California gold rush, the 49ers. Most of the people who went out there to search for gold didn't make any money. They were broke. They got out there 
and couldn't survive. They either had to come home or figure out something else to do. Mm-hmm. The people who made all the money were the guys who sold the picks and the shovels and the pans and the Levi's and all that sort of stuff. The people who supplied the materials that for the gold rush for the prospectors are the ones who made all the money. Mm-hmm. So I look at that now. I mean, the guys that are making the money, I mean, the guys with the projects are the Anadarkos, the Oxys, the XTOs, Mobile, Exxon Mobile. They've got millions and millions or billions and billions of dollars to throw around. I, I can't play in that league. I just can't. So what can I play in? I can, I can build houses for ExxonMobil and XTO and those guys. I can put their house, I can put their employees up and I can give you a better product, makes your employees happier, makes them better employees and makes them more productive employees. And that's, and what, that's you want. what I want. That's what I want to do. I want to make these guys, you know, I see these guys that drive from here, from Midland, to the Delaware, to Orla, to Mentone, to the, to the Delaware Basin. You know, and it's an hour and a half drive there. Then they're working for eight to ten hours. And then they drive an hour and a half back. So, I mean, that's an that's a 11 to 13 hour day. And they have to get up and do it again. And how many, I was talking to James Beecham at, the, at Motran. We, were having, we had a big conversation about how dangerous it is to be on the highways because these guys, you know, they don't have a place to live out there. Right. There is no place to live. There's no place to eat. And that's where, why my company is, putting, is planning to put a facility out there so that we can, so these guys, you know, it'll be, they'll have their own place. Mm-hmm. It'll be their own Call it a tiny home. It's not the tiny home that, uh, not like the, the park model homes, but it's similar. Mm-hmm. They're a little better. They're bigger. They're more stable, that sort of thing. But it's a place that can go and lock the door and be and be away from the world for a minute. They can turn their TV on, turn their stereo on, whatever it is. And not be on the road for four hours that's in right. the day. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I think that is a great point because that's now solving two of our issues in the Permian is the roads. <laughs> so you're keeping them off the roads and keeping them safe and then housing. So yeah. uh, really two, two, two of the big four. So hats off to you and your partners. This is a, a fantastic company. Do you have any advice that you would give to an entrepreneur that is just either moving to the basin or maybe is on a similar journey as you? Any advice that you would give to them? Oh, man. I have so I have I have stepped on so many landmines in, in my entrepreneurial career. That could be a whole other podcast. We'll have yeah. to have you back another day. <laughs> but uh, just make sure you know what you're doing. I mean, I got into the container business. An example is I got into the container business. I thought it was cool, and, and everybody's going, "Hey, yeah, that's a great idea." Everybody's just pushing, you know, and everything's working great. But the the thing nobody the thing nobody told me, and that I had to understand, I had to find out for myself, was that. Empty containers weigh nine thousand pounds a piece. Yes, <laughs> you can't just jerk. You, you you can't just get a pickup truck and jerk them around that sort of thing. You have to have a crane or you have to have a big big forklift. You have to have heavy equipment to move them. Mm-hmm. So moving them around is great and it's wonderful and it's really easy if you have the right equipment. And that's so I didn't know that, and so I got into the business and I had to figure that one out for myself. So. You know, expect ups and downs. The you know most people think they, they most people look at an entrepreneur and see the see you know see them driving the the nice car. They see the whatever, highs, but the they highs, don't see the lows. But they don't know what went yeah. into it. They don't went into it. It's it's tough. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. You know, I work every day. I'm six. You know, I'm 
I should be retired now. I work every day. I, I mean, I work seven days a week, some. I don't work as much on the weekends. I do take some nice vacations. I can't get away. <laughs> but it's work. And there's no security in it. Understand, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you're going to have, you're going to have failure will face you. And you're going to have to, uh, there's no guarantee. If you've got a job, you at least know that if you work, what you're, if you do what your employer wants you to do, you're going to get a paycheck and you're probably going to have benefits. That ain't, got, that ain't necessarily so in the entrepreneurial world. Very true. But I wouldn't have it any other way. Awesome. Anything you want to add when you knew you were coming in to do this podcast and you were thinking, oh, I hope I get this out about either your company or your journey. Is there anything that you'd like to share? You asked me a question a minute ago Mm -hmm. about why the Permian. Mm -hmm. The environment out here is more entrepreneurial than any place you can go. The, it's, it's not the wild west, but it, it's kind of, I mean, it, it's, if you have the desire to do something on your own, if you have the abilities, if you have the, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to make your own mark, you can do it out here. It's tough. It's hard. It's, it takes work. There's a lot of things that have to happen, but the, the environment, the attitude, the attitude of the people out here is, you know, is, is make it happen. Mm-hmm. Go do it and make it happen. It's a, it's a never quit, never say die. I will succeed or I will die trying attitude. And it's not that way in most of the rest of the world. And I've been a lot of places and there's a different, there's a different mentality out here mm-hmm. and you have to understand the mentality. But if you have that mentality and you want to, and you want to make something happen, it can, you can do it out here in the Permian Basin. I couldn't agree more. We wish you much success with J-Cubed Housing. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for sharing what you do. We appreciate you. How can people find you on social media? J-Cubed Housing on Facebook. Our website is westtexashousing.com or jcubedhousing.com. But I've, I've got westtexashousing.com, which everybody should be able to remember that one. Easy. You know, my offices are here in town. You've got my card over there with my my, uh, my telephone number. That's the one I'm thinking about. <laughs> 687-1408, extension 101. Or my direct go. line is 684-4305. We got, or you're uh, on LinkedIn. You're we're, everywhere. We're on LinkedIn, and <laughs> we're getting ready to be on everything else. We, you know, we've got an Instagram account. I'm, I'm told we have an Instagram account. I've got a young lady who's helping me with my social media. I don't know which one it is or where it is, but if if you do a search, I'm sure you're going to find it. Just it's look Jim, up J Cubed Housing. I'm sure it J Cubed Housing. It. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jim. It's been a pleasure spending this time it's with been you, fun. and it has been fun. Yay! I'm so glad you enjoyed it. We enjoyed it too. And I just I love hearing from someone that's been here in West Texas their whole life because I feel like you have one of the best perspectives on it because you've been here so long. And for you to love it as much as you do and to share that with our listeners, I think that's fantastic. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Krista. It. It's wonderful. I'll come back anytime. Okay, you got it. We'll we'll have we'll have a take two another day. All right. How does that sound? Well, thank you so much, and I want to thank all of our listeners today. And I want to announce today's community MVP. So our MVP this week is Midland Independent School District. They recently opened a first of its kind here in Midland. Congratulations to Young Women's Leadership Academy. They opened their doors to 162 young ladies this week. 
I know I'm screaming too. I'm so excited for them. A special thank you to XTO for supporting this amazing school. This group of ladies is under the wonderful leadership of Jennifer Siebert. I know her and her staff are passionate about the school and educating these young ladies. We wish them much success in the new school year and happy back to school for everyone here in the Permian, all of our educators and our students, and of course, our wonderful law enforcement that is protecting our community. I hope everyone has a fantastic school year. Another special thanks to our sponsor, Baker Hughes, a GE company inventing smarter ways to bring energy to the world. That's it. This concludes the episode of Permian Perspective, the story behind the oil and gas leaders in the Permian Basin. Of course, remember my motto, dream big. We actually added goal big in there too. And believe in yourself. You make it a great day. And here are the events on deck for August 2019. The Oil and Gas Conference, the 11th through the 14th at the Weston Denver downtown. SPE Subsea Well Intervention, 13th through the 15th at Galveston Island Convention Center in Galveston, Texas. Oilfield Helping Hands Summer Pistol Shoot, August 16th at the Texas Gun Club in Stafford, Texas. Uh, of course, Summer Napes coming up August 21st through 22nd at the George R. Brown Convention Center here in Houston, Texas. The IADC Well Control Conference, which is the 27th through the 28th at a Moody Gardens Hotel in Galveston, Texas. Oil and Gas Happy Hour in Tanzania, August 23rd, 6 to 10 p.m. at the Best Western CBD Hotel in Dar el Salaam, Tanzania. A PGICE 2019 will be held 27th through the 30th at Hilton Buenos Aires Hotel in Buenos Aires, Argentina, held, of course, 27th through the 30th. U.S.-based Oils and Lubricants Summit that will be held the 28th through the 29th in New Orleans, Louisiana. And then, of course, the Denver Happy Hour, which will be launching August 29th in Denver, Colorado at Liberty Oil Services. Hope to see you there. Tune in next week for another episode of Permian Perspective, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at www.oggn.com.